But a goodie, Dr. Esteban it's, Marconi. It's an oldie. This is an old song from the 1920s. This is uh, the flapper movement in the 1920s. It was right before the uh, Great Depression. Did you say flapper? The, yeah, the fl <laughs> flappers. It was. There was. Uh, it was. What was the time when you couldn't buy alcohol? Prohibition. Yeah, it was prohibition and flappers and. <laughs> right. right. Right before. This is great radio. Ashley Weltner, who is the Music Biz 101 and More engineer, is not happy at the moment with what's going on in terms of content that we are pushing out to our fans. Right. To our fans. If it's like American Idol, like you've been on for like one week and then you're telling everybody, hey, here's my fans. Thank you so much for voting for me. But who cares? Because this is Music Biz 101 and More. Yes. And here's Dr. Esteban Marconi on my right, your left. Thank you. And that's my esteemed colleague on my left, your right. Professor David Kirkfield. Uh-huh. And a, we have a student host. We do. We have a, a student engineer and a student host. Her name is Shannon Diamour, but you Hello. may call her... Excuse me. Yes. But you may call her Shannon of Love. Sure. You can, uh, you can do that. The, and we will do that, <laughs> okay. especially with an attitude like that. Okay. I don't know how you've been in school this long. Have you ever had an internship before? No. Yeah. She's had like 15 of them, I think. <laughs> I know. Yes. But we've had you before. We, we were with you in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Was it last last year, correct? No, this summer. Well, That's last what I meant. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. This summer. Yeah. Last academic. But yeah, and who did we interview? Do you remember? We interviewed, I interviewed Seth England from Big Loud. Then right. we all interviewed Scooter Braun. Right. Is that what you were asking? Right. <laughs> well, I was thinking when Seth England was in the room with you. Yes. Dr. Marconi was in the room, and Correct. I was in the room. And we were at his office. At his office, so it, it was Correct. sort of a we, so yeah, well, that when the question okay. was, you know. But right. anyway, that was a great interview. So it was my assignment, but you guys were Who did you do it with? You also did it with another team. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so a dual assignment. <laughs> <laughs> we know what kind of person you are at this point. So did you enjoy the election day results? It was a wonderful day. Good. It's now, based upon you don't know who I'm for right no, now because I don't the president said it was a wonderful day. Ah. Others said it was a wonderful day. Right. Well, on either side, everybody said it was a wonderful day. So right. I'm just going to go with that. It was a beautiful day. Said you. Well, two. twenty more, uh, twenty million more people voted than voted in 2014 in the last midterms. Yes. But you know what was upsetting to me? I saw a statistic this morning. The 18 to 29 yes. uh, demographic only I think it was only 18 percent voted it was and still really really they expected low. more I mean we were trying to get more yeah. it right? was the it was the lowest I think of all the really? demographics ah. which surprised me because I'm still seeing headlines today I was seeing headlines about the millennial votes and you're yes. 
That's Generation Z and Millennial, I think. But or maybe just I don't know. Anyway, but they're saying the Millennials, you know, really had a hand. I didn't didn't seem like it. It, it felt like Parkland was so long ago. Yeah. Which was on. Un- they interviewed uh, today on NPR. They interviewed one of the students that was the um, the proponent of getting across the country. Mm-hmm. And his answer was that there's just there's been too many shootings in Parkland. Says just we just shoot them up, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about Pittsburgh. Uh, there was one in Cleveland. There's one he said in Utah. He said he couldn't even name them all. Right. That that have been since Parkland, mm-hmm. and that's why he says you lose momentum so quickly for a very terrible reason, but you do because something new comes up. Right. Uh, so it really is, you know, it's a very violent country we live in. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. But hopefully the movement they began, yeah. Sp- Continues and spreads a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, sure. We don't want to see, you know, useless killing. Mm-mm. So, now that we're on such a high note. Yeah, Music Biz 101 and more on Brave doing New Radio. Tonight? We're hanging. Ah, uh, you yeah, going to thank it. anybody? Nah, yeah, we should. By the way, we do have a guest who's going to be on. Did anyone call in yet? Oh, she, oh, she has called. Okay, so Jen Chappelle is going to be. Uh, it's a great because we have Shannon D'Amour. And we have Jeanne Abrel on, and uh, the whole show will be in French as soon as we finish doing yes. our thanks. So it's subtitled for those listening at home. Um, so uh, we want to remind everybody, go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for our newsletter because it's the best newsletter ever, ever. Go to at musicbiz101wp and follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Fest of the Book. And then our podcast is available iTunes, SoundCloud, and the, the Spotify. Meanwhile, Dr. Esteban, we should give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management because with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com when you're ready. But don't go before you're ready because then you're just wasting time and we're going to talk about being ready in a moment with Jennifer. But first, we also want to give thanks to Christine Vey, who is a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many professionals at William Patterson University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, if you have questions on anything from investments, portfolio management, do insurance retirement planning, you should give Christine a call at, repeat after me, Shannon of Love, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. The number again? 732. <laughs> 455. I can't, I don't remember the last one. <laughs> 1510. 1510. Email her, Christine at com for advisement. And don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Leave the last oi off for saving. That's the only oi you're going to get. Managing your band, sixth edition is fermenting like wine it's practically yes. the seventh edition at the this God. point uh available at amazon barnes and noble monmouth university is coming to william patterson university on november 29th sponsored by our mio music and entertainment organization we have zach matari in the after party and switch mob performing from representing our school and then a couple bands do you know the bands coming up for monmouth i do not know the bands coming up for monmouth but i know that you can also listen to the show right here on brave new radio it's going to be live. It's going to be live. That's that's Great. actually a thing that we worked out. Thank mm-hmm. you to Ashley. Ashley, what is your position at Brave New Radio? I am the program director here. <laughs> Do not mess with Ashley right. because she is the program director here. Yes. Did you know? Ashley, do you know we're getting new chairs? You know, I'm surprised. So am I, but I put it through and then he just told me today. Good. 
that we're getting new chairs. We we're all sitting on the floor in case. That's right. If you're not doing Instagram tonight, are you? I'm not doing Instagram live because there's nothing to see. <gasps> but they should follow Did us on Instagram. hear that? Yeah, I know. I'm so offended. Did you hear that? I know. God. So with that in mind, is Renapel on the show? Is Renapel here? She's not French. Probably. You guys are amazing. Ah. Jen, we I know that. It. We love you, Jen, and we don't mean it. No. But I'm saying we don't mean it just in a friendly way. I mean, if you were here, we would embrace. Yes. We love you. Oh, we love you. Oh, are you French? No, you I are. Need to come up and visit. Okay. No, I'm not French. Ah. I have no idea why my last name is French. I can tell you. So you're, I have no idea. you're not like French-Canadian? No fur trading no. or anything? No. <laughs> no hockey? No. Well, Shannon of Love speaks fluent French. So no idea. Oh, that's a lie. When we read tweets to you, they will all be in French <laughs> by Shannon Diem. <laughs> well, I don't know anything French, so... You know, maybe, maybe, maybe fries. I'm glad that you said my last name right, because normally it's like Jen Apple. Like, oh, fine, I'll be Jen Apple tonight. No. <laughs> Whatever we, you need. We're paying the respect yeah. that you deserve, Jen. You deserve respect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank oh, you. Stop it. By the way, the reason we we're having you on, there are two reasons. One, we had you on before, and you were awesome. And after that was done, you sent out a great tweet saying, hands down, one of the best interviews I've ever done, even mm. though there was, there was no period at the end of the, that sentence. So was we'll she a novice at that time? Um, I don't <laughs> She had done millions of interviews by that point, and now okay. we're going to triple it. But tonight, we no. want to beat that. We want to beat that rating. Mm-hmm. All right, Jen. Well, you guys are just so much fun, and I love it, because... Great. I, I have to be honest, I've been on interviews before where they're, like, so dry and so just to the point. Like, all right, cool, that was the interview. And you guys come in with, like, a grand slam and just make it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, we're wet. and we're, we're, we're so wet, we're in bathing suits right now, <laughs> Jen. Um, but, and I want you to know, as before Dr. Esteban starts to give you the third degree, um, which will get very personal, did you know, Jen that William Patterson, the university, our music and entertainment industries program is ranked one of the best in all Los Estados Unidos. That's, oh, that's by amazing. By yeah. Billboard magazine. Billboard magazine. Yes, June 30th. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. It should be, right? <clears throat> because Although of... I can't say anything because I teach in a program as well, but I do know that your program is amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jen. Dead air. Carry on, oh. David. <laughs> it's your turn. No. <laughs> oh. So, Dr. Esteban, why don't you begin with Jen? Okay, well, Jen, yes. Um, I'm looking at your Twitter account, and I love it. It oh, says, gosh. music publicist, lover of puns, wearer of bangs, maker of magic, <laughs> so on, so forth. And I think that's wonderful, and I want to talk to you about that. But before I do that... I want to um, tell you that I have a condo about a mile from the Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood. Oh, no way. And I want, and you are the first person that you have to tell me, is there really a Barry University? I see the signs, yes, but I, you have a master's. Yes, I got my master's. Where, is yeah, it one building? Is it, what is it? 
Is it just an office? It's, it's like a courtyard. <laughs> it's like a courtyard. Um, and is it Barry the fun. first name or the last name? I have no idea. But it's run by none. God. Um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting university. I went from Indiana to Barry. Yes. Indiana, you know, I've been in classrooms with like 300 people to yeah. with like five. Right. So it was a huge shocker for me. But my high school was really small. So like I was kind of happy to get back to that world. Mm. Um, but yeah, Barry University was interesting. The whole university really predominantly known for their nursing program. Oh. So, like, I came in from PR, and it was it was there, but, oh, man, yeah. my professors were not that great, have to be honest. Mm. Yeah, the, uh, right, because I think the sign on 95 is near the, the big hospital, near Jackson's hospital, yeah. if, I make, if I'm just thinking out loud. So... Yeah, it's like by the Golden Exchange. Um, right. When you get off of 163rd, it's like mm -hmm. maybe three or four blocks. But the whole university is gated in because, like, the area is not very safe. So we've had, like, shooter drills before. We've had lockdowns because wow, not very safe. So, like, we used to have to be, like, escorted from – because I did all night classes, and then I worked during the day. So it was sure. like, you know, we had to have escorts and – people coming down to wow. walk us to our cars because it was really not that great, not yeah. that safe. <laughs> now, do they have a bookstore that you can get a T-shirt that says Barry University? They do. I never wow. got a T-shirt, um, <laughs> but it was definitely there. Um, you know, people were really proud to, like, be at the university. I was this, like, bitter soul of, like... And that's that. Okay. You ruined the interview. I want to see my puppet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> when she comes back, let's spend more time talking about a school that doesn't exist. No, I'm good. I was ready to stop. <laughs> that was it. It just amazed me that, right. uh, you know, you ever go someplace where you see, like, go to Scranton, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and there's, like, must be 15 colleges there, like Keystone College, and, uh -huh. I mean, you go, <laughs> what, what are these places? And that's the same thing down there. Because you have you have Florida Atlantic, Florida International, University of Miami, mm -hmm. all that, and then you see this Barry University, you know. So it just it makes very little sense. Interesting. And she teaches at Florida Atlantic. I was going to ask her about that, but not now. Later. No, now would be wrong because right. I can't answer that. And Shannon, no, love no, I meant that, that I'm getting not. into Catalyst. PR you were about now. to get in, you were about to get into a groove. I could tell. Ha Catalyst PR. Yeah. yeah, the Catalyst PR groove, which is. Uh, what we're waiting. What, what is she, she going to call back? She's back. So yeah, no, I'm here. I'm okay, off. great. Why is she I'm hanging up on off. us? Yeah, hang up on her, Hi. Ashley. <laughs> See what she thinks. Okay, Jen, tell us about Catalyst PR so we can move right in. Yeah. So um, I started the company seven years ago, and um, basically, I was working for a company before, and they were um, helping artists, but it wasn't. It wasn't like they were giving them the platform that they needed to succeed. There was a lot of, you know, they were trying to build them, but it wasn't from the ground up. It was like taking an artist and giving them a platform that they just deserve. So I wasn't too thrilled with my job. I wasn't too happy there. And I decided that there was definitely more of an effort for me to kind of come in and help artists and 
give them that development that they did. So I actually started the company. Um, it was only supposed to be like a little in-betweener for jobs and stuff, and it ended up um, turning into seven years of growing the company. And um, so far, as of, I think it was like last year, I haven't calculated from this year, but we worked with 450 artists so far. Um, and that's also been like festivals and conferences and different brands and nonprofits. And um, right now, uh, we have about 18 clients per, per month. So we do everything from PR campaigns to marketing to uh, brand development, uh, brand partnership, sponsorship, um, and basically everything in between. But we've been finding like the most impactful is really social media. So we've been doing a ton of publicity work for so many years, but really the biggest effort um, that we're seeing is actually social media and content development. So that's kind of where we're like shifting a little bit and kind of seeing that progress. That's kind of where we're at right now, but um, it's been an awesome seven years and kind of crazy to think that we're still going, um, but we're definitely seeing the changes in the industry. Something with these. So how many people do you have working with you? So it's myself, and then I have two others that work with me. Mm -hmm. So I actually, a couple of years ago, I had 12 people working for me. And wow. I decided it's just too much. I grew the business too fast. There was just too many people, you know, working with us. And I just, I didn't like that <laughs> responsibility. Because then it was taking away from me actually doing what I love. You know, it turned into, originally it was just me. And I was just focusing in on, you know, doing the job and getting everything needed. And then I decided to expand and bring in all these people. And while it's, you know, amazing that that happened and that I was able to work with people, but it just ended up being more of, you know, HR work and making sure everybody was okay. And it just was too much of a cleanup. And so I decided um, last year to kind of clean sweep and, start over and kind of rebrand and refocus and the two girls that I hired um, just a couple months ago are kind of coming in with a different mindset. So they don't actually come from the music industry side. They're actually coming straight out of college and have a great marketing background, great mindset, and they're kind of taking, you know, where I want to take the business and really honing in on the factors that I wasn't able to get to. Mm-hmm. So how has it changed in the last seven years? Um, publicity has changed so much. Um, it used to be we have this, it's not necessarily a formula, but we used to have where we would take a single and be able to promote it to X amount of publications, put together a proper pitch or press kit or press release and send it out to people and hand pitch and get the actual return. And then we would see the spike of, Spotify listens or, um, you know, album downloads or tickets sold. Now we're not seeing that. There, there's never a correlation between hand-pitching somebody, getting a premiere, and getting that sale. It's never part of PR. But for us, I started noticing that it was, like, really dwindling down from what we were seeing as that investment. So, like, our reports weren't as extravagant, but yet we're working double as hard because you know, there's more publications today. And so my feeling is over the last seven years, it's oversaturated. You have people that are um, wanting to do publications, but they're not dedicated to it. So the consistency isn't 
there. You have journalists who uh, might not be in the right mindset to cover artists, and so their return and their work that they're doing doesn't help the artists. You're not seeing the value of, of press and publicity as you used to. And then on top of that, there's this really annoyance that drives me crazy of when an editor will go to a social media page, see the numbers, and just assume they're not good. If an artist has 800 followers on mm. Facebook, they could be the greatest band in the world. You're just not taking the time to discover them. So that's what I've been finding with publicity. It's really changed. It's no longer strictly about the music. It's how viral are they getting? How many streams do they have? How cool do they look? What are their music video like? Like, it's not... It's about building the brand, but it's, it's changed. So that's why, um, for us, I like the publicity side, but the marketing side and really developing an artist and finding their fan base and getting that engagement, that's just going to see the best results. So uh, it's just, it just amazes, amazes me a little bit that you would still have to sort of convince a band that this is what they have to do today. Oh, yes. Really? Yeah, it's, it's really, um, even labels, too. I mean, we work with all different levels, and, you know, I think people assume hire a PR company and all of a sudden you're quote-unquote famous. I think they have this assumption of, well, if I hire this publicist because they work with Rolling Stone, I'm going to get on Rolling Stone. Mm. We all know that's not the case. As much as I would, I would love it, um, I could pitch Rolling Stone or Billboard until I'm blue in the face, but I might get one feature in 10 years just because of that, you know, editor, and that's what they like. So it's, it is very difficult. Fans think, artists think, they don't have to put in the back-end work in order to see that result. But really, once you release a song or once you hire a publicist or you're working with a booking agent or manager or label, that's like the start of it. It's not... Let me sit back and watch everybody do the job for me. It has to be in people's partnerships. And I know it's funny through the years working with so many artists, I can see pretty much immediately who's going to have it and who's not. And it's very hard because I want everybody to succeed. I really want everybody to do well. But I know the ones that don't communicate, the ones that don't share stuff on social, their videos are just okay. You can tell them, I can media train them, I can do anything I want, but they're not going to have that, you know, that drive or, or that understanding. And not every artist has that. And so that's why some don't make it or they break up over, you know, a couple months or years because they just don't have that energy or that know-how. And it's really a skill set. It's not something, you can definitely learn how to use social media, but you can't change a whole personality. You know, you can develop it, you can fake it, but it, it has to come from within. And you can't find that organic growth or that reach with your, you know, engaged audience by being fake. It's just people will see through that. Mm -hmm. Now, putting the ability aside to pay you, when uh, when is the is it ever too early for an artist or a band to get in touch with someone like you who's doing the marketing and PR for them? Yeah, I definitely will talk to everybody. So I've had artists in the past that will come to me and make them redo everything. 
and I won't I won't bring them on as a client. So mm-hmm. some artists will come to me like there was an artist a few years ago that I just I felt like they had such a great story, great personality, but the photos were terrible, their music videos were just okay. The songs were they were there but they weren't they weren't quite up to par with, with the top level. So I told them, listen, if you want to work with me, here's my suggestions. Don't pay me, but let me help you through this process. And I think it took them a year. They came back to me, and, and then we ended up working together for several years because they actually went through and redid things, and they listened to me. Mm-hmm. So not every publicist is like me. There are publicists out there who won't take a band unless they have a certain status. There's other publicists out there who, you know, We'll just take on artists and promise them the world knowing that they're just taking their money and you know it's really hard to navigate through that system and the best thing that i can say for you know artists that are listening is go with your gut because if you're going with somebody that says oh yeah i'm going to get you on a billboard absolutely no questions that's that's a guarantee that's your first red flag that guarantee is not a guarantee because that there's i i couldn't get somebody to just say yes no matter my relationship I've had amazing editors that I've gone after and worked with before and they still pass but it doesn't mean that my relationship is better. it just means that's just what they feel so they go after a publicist they're feeling like maybe they're not 100% ready but they're not ready and so I think for an artist they have to go through this mind check of do I feel ready is this the best of the best? And I usually will ask that in my first like conversation. I'll say, are you happy with where you're at? And like nine out of 10 times they'll say, yeah, I think, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And so then I have to go back and say, well, what don't you like? Cause nobody questions them. If they're independent, they don't have a team. They're just five guys in a band trying to piece this all together. Mm. Somebody in the band is the leader and that's what they're going to go after so i think for an artist that wants to go after a publicist they have to make sure that they're ready there's a lot more work than they realize now um you had mentioned earlier that you deal with did you say 450 artists jen since we started yeah okay oh since you started okay how many are you working with at at one particular time like within say a two or three month period how many different artists do the three of you guys handle so so typically on like a month it'll be anywhere between 10 and 30 depending on how many staff i have depending on the contracts and stuff but typically um we try not to do more than five per publicist oh okay Oh, yeah, because originally I thought, wow, they're four hundred. Your work, the three of you are doing four hundred fifty at one time. Right. We're like, wow, that's that's a lot of. You don't sleep. Yeah. Right. And we want you to well, sleep. I don't sleep but well, you need sleep, that Jen. Was really bad. What is what is your biggest? I have a su- client right now. What's what's uh, your biggest success story? Would you say, with the band? Um. Well, or, right now I have a client on Dancing with the Stars, and I'm just like. So excited about this project. It's working with people that I may not ever work with, you know, in TV and, and in film, and it's a little outside of the music, but he's also a musician, so it, it ties it all together. But um, that's probably my most favorite because I've actually, I do PR, but I'm also more project management, day to day management, and it's, it's 
just fun to think a little bit different. And like the stuff that we're getting, you know, booking Good Morning America and Late Night and really focusing in on, you know, major top tier publications. And to me, it's like utilizing that platform has just been really exciting. So that's probably one of my favorite things. And, uh, and then a couple of years ago, uh, there's a band that I grew up loving, a band called Cartel. And I actually met them through another client of mine, and they came back to me um, about two years later after I met them for a 10-year anniversary tour of my favorite album growing up. And then um, I got to work that campaign. So that was like a really cool, like, full-circle moment of you grew up loving this band, and now you get to work with them. So that mm. was probably one of my favorite stories. Um, but definitely this latest on Dancing with Stars has been uh, a really cool experience. Are you allowed to say who the client is, or do you sort of like have agreements that you don't share that? Oh, no. No, his name is John Schneider. He was in the Dukes of Hazard. Um, he played Bo Duke. Because I, I saw his picture. I saw his picture on your website, and I guess just because he's older now. My first thought was, is it that, uh -huh. John, is it that John Schneider? Because um, he was, yeah, he, he yeah. had yeah. some hits in the 80s, right. I want to say. Because it was the early 80s when yeah. Dukes of Hazard was on, and then he kind of parlayed that. And that's a French word, Jen. He parlayed that yeah. in, in, into um, kind of what uh, Michael, who was, who was the guy from Baywatch? Yeah. Um. <laughs> the guy who was Michael Knight was from Knight Rider and then uh, Baywatch. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but who David, went to German? David, David Hasselhoff. 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 So yeah. um, that's not French, Jen. No, go ahead. Yeah, no. Not French. <laughs> yes, but but Schneider is German also. Yeah, but do you just work yeah, with German awesome. clients? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I only work with one style client. Uh, yeah, John is awesome. I started with him um, two years ago. His entire so he has a film studio that he owns and operates, and he was always doing films and. Smallville and TV shows. So, two years ago, the whole entire studio, which is a 58 acre lot, was completely flooded and destroyed by a hundred year flood and then a thousand year flood down in southern Louisiana. So, when I came on board, his lawyer, friend of their lawyers, um, is actually my lawyer, and they connected and said, We're looking for somebody that knows music PR but wants to get their hands wet and just really like dig into this project and when I first like connected I was like I don't like I don't know how big this guy is but this is like pretty cool and I knew the Duke of Hazard and I knew the whole thing but I didn't realize it was like as major of a project as it developed over the years but with me coming on board he decided music. So it's really inspiring, it's really great. He um launched an album for the flood. He actually recorded the entire thing in his living room without any furniture, nothing. It was just bare bones house. Um, so the acoustics on it are awesome. And then he decided last year that he wanted to do a world record for um, the most songs and albums released in one year. And that's in 2018. So that's why I don't sleep much. Um, <laughs> so he's released one song per week, 52 songs so far this year. And they decided that wasn't enough. So now they're doing a greatest hits album. They're recording a greatest hits of the called the Odyssey Project, 
Now they're doing a greatest hits of the Odyssey project. So tomorrow they're recording 12 more songs and then they're doing a Christmas album. So they're just like, keep going through the whole process, which is super inspiring. It's a lot of work, but it's, um, it's totally different. And I think that's what makes artists today succeed because they're not doing it traditionally. So, I mean, releasing at the end of this, I'll have probably 75 songs released this year. And it's, I don't know artists that are capable of doing that, have the capacity to do it, but um, but it's inspiring. Then I see my other artists who are, you know, going through this and they're like, yeah, we go into the studio and only record three songs. And I feel bad, but I also know that there's other avenues. and There's other opportunities for these individuals to, like, really step up their career and their game and make a change and do something different. So it's kind of nice seeing it on both sides and have to appreciate like the different avenues that an artist can go but it's super inspiring so um so yeah so it's probably my favorite thing right now it's the thing that consumes my life um anything that john does and wherever he goes and whatever he does i'm basically in charge of making sure that that happens so it's very cool <laughs> so speaking of non-traditional uh, you're you know you're in south florida now, does that uh, does is that uh, sort of make it any more difficult to do PR today, or because of the internet, it doesn't matter where you are? Yeah, I haven't really found it to hinder any of my work. I do travel a lot. Um, I'll go to Nashville a couple times a year, New York, LA. Um, I go to Austin every year for South by. So I definitely do travel a lot, and I try to do as many face to face. But I'll be honest, I feel I feel guilty when I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a life and I do my other, you know, personal things, but I feel that if I were to be in New York or LA going to events, going to shows, mixing and mingling with people is great, but I also feel like I owe my clients to be at a computer and working. So it's kind of a personal preference, but you know, I don't really feel that it hinders anything that I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to take a tweet, Dave? Sh- Shannon. Yes. Shannon of Love, what was your tweet? Okay, so I had a question. Um, I saw that Billboard just posted an article responding to Greta Van Fleet's Pitchfork review that just came out. That got a very negative review from them. And uh, Billboard basically <laughs> explained that, like, even though they're getting negative press, like, it doesn't really affect artists anymore because with like Spotify and all this like streaming platforms, you're able to instantly go check it out and like decide for yourself if it's a negative review or like whatnot. So my question is um, like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think that negative publicity is still good publicity? I do. Um, I'll give you an example. So John's going through this whole divorce right now and he actually went to jail for a couple of days with alimony issues and whatnot. Um, that negative press, we were able to spin it to something really positive. So now we're like fighting through all that negative press that's actually coming out on top. I feel when it comes to publicity, no matter if people say this is the worst song in the entire world, this is the like worst album of the century, people are still going to be inclined to listen to it. And I feel that we have to kind of reverse engineer it and let the fans individuals kind of speak for themselves and kind of decide what they want. Word of mouth marketing is still going to be the best type of marketing. So if you 
get something in Pitchfork or Billboard or Rolling Stone or wherever, and they say this is just awful, you might have a whole flood, an army of people that champion that song, that love that song. And I've sort of had this mentality for many years that you don't need a million people to love everything that you do. You need your core group of fans to kind of help fuel that for you. So a Pitchfork review saying that something's bad, it could just be the editors in a bad mood that day, just didn't like the song, didn't like the story, just didn't feel it. Um, as a publicist, there's nothing that you can do. Um, obviously, if there's false information, if there's information out there that um, it's just really not something that should be out in the public, it's your job to go in and, and not necessarily fix it, but you have to make sure that there's corrections to the article. But really, word of mouth is, so if you go out there and you want to fight for your fan base and you want to build that organically, then you get them on board. Because if you have one fan, like a super fan, that loves your music, then they tell another person, and that person becomes a super fan, they have got two fans instead of one. And if it keeps multiplying and keeps growing, eventually your fan base is going to override any negativity. So that's how I feel about it. Publicity is kind of like one of those things where it's a gamble. You don't know what people are going to say about you. You don't know what type of review it is. You can go after the best person in the world and they can still just not agree with it and not like it. And that's okay because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. If you have a fan base, like a legitimate fan base that is really like wanting to invest in you, that should override anything that you could ever have out on the internet. So that's kind of how I feel. I feel like Pitchfork can go either way anyway. So um, yeah, and definitely keep growing your fan base. In fact, some some people are of the opinion today that uh, if you do something really good, the media is not going to cover it. So you have to figure out to do something bad so that they might cover it. Uh, do you find that it's easier to get things if somebody has done something a little, you know, that they shouldn't have done and you're trying to spin it? Um. Yes and no. Um, I've never been less full and negative to get a positive. I've never really been that firm believer. Mm -hmm. I fully believe that if you have something great to show the world and it's not something that you want to do through an outlet, then find like a foundation or a nonprofit or help children or go do something that's positive and, and make that your impact instead of making something negative. And I do see a lot with artists and you know some of these artists that are in the spotlight I just feel like I know it's a lot of publicity for them and I get it but also like do something great and like make a difference with your platform and your name and nobody has to be in the spotlight every second of the day I feel like there's so much pressure for these top 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 one percent tiered artists to do something to just get in the news it's like you don't need that. You can just do something positive and enjoy your career and, and your process and kind of go with it and allow your fan base to grow with you instead of throwing something negative out there just to kind of win over an opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I've talked to a lot of students who are in bands and they've worked with independent public relations people like yourself, but not as good as you and who aren't bilingual like you. And... Um, one thing that a lot of them do is they, they'll, they'll sign a contract for, say, two months, and maybe it'll be 
$750 a month or, you know, uh, $1,600 for X amount of time. Um, but then the people talk to them, and if, if they're more reputable, they'll, uh, the PR people will say, we just cannot guarantee any results. We can't tell you that anything will happen. Here's what we're going to try to do, but we can't guarantee anybody will care. How do you get around that? You know, because you're also a salesperson because you want clients, and but you want to be honest and you don't want to fail, but you also know the, the reality. So how do you, you know, deal with that whole uh, idea? Yeah, so we do a full onboarding process. So before the client even goes out to the media, it can be three weeks to a month before we even launch anything because I have to make sure that the bio is okay, that their website is set up right, they've got a newsletter, their social media is right. I can't just send something out to the public and feel confident about it. And I also go through, I feel like I kind of go through like a psychological like checklist of is this client mentally ready for this? Do they feel like they're up to par with what they're doing? And I feel through the years, and it does take time, I feel like I can kind of assess if somebody's ready. If somebody sends an email and, and it's just, like I got an email today, somebody's releasing an album on Friday and wanted to hire me for it. And so I wrote them a very nice email and said, I really appreciate this, but it's not going to work. And let me explain why. And not to be rude, but this is what the normal process is. So I won't take on an artist unless I know that they're going to have success. But when I go through that process, I have learned through the years and, and this is, you know, just part of the experience learning. But in the beginning, I never had in my contract, like this is what's going to happen and there's no guarantees. So I would go through the process and then people would come back and say, Hey, well, we didn't get X, Y, and Z, so we're not paying you. So I learned the hard way on that, and that was in my, you know, very early days of not knowing that you have to protect yourself through the process. But in my contract, I now have, you know, this is the setup. This is what we're going to do. This is our onboarding process. This is how we're going to go through it. And just to let you know, we're going to help you through this development process, but you're going to get stuff. You're going to get something. It might not be exactly what you're hoping for, but if we're going to be honest through the whole process. So every time we go through and we pitch something or we have a single and they want a premiere on, say, Rolling Stone or whatever, I will go back before even getting into that conversation and say, listen, based off of our own internal evaluation of where you're at, where we think you're going to place, these are what we can expect. Not everybody's going to say yes, of course, but this is our process. And it's really helped through the years because it kind of takes them down a notch. The artists get very excited about it. Um, going through that process, it helps them. So that's kind of the way that we do it. But I, again, I have this like checklist where I just won't bring on an artist if I know it's going to be complicated. And I've had problems in the past where I brought an artist on, super confident, feel like they're going to have a great campaign and it just, fumbles mid first month because they're just not mentally ready for it or you just butt heads. And at that point, I just walk away. I won't even entertain the idea if an artist isn't ready for it or they're not just excited about the project or not willing to listen. It's not worth my time. And that's where I've had to learn really a lot through the years that 
you just can't please everybody. You can't work with everybody. And especially do not take money unless you know you can provide some sort of result. Because then you're just messing up the ecosystem of PR in general. Like, there's so many bad people out there that will just take money. And it's just, it's not worth it. So you have to, on both sides, have to be careful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Shannon of Love has another tweet for Jalab. Um, this is from Jade Onari. Is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Yes. And she asked, uh, what are the most important things for DIY artists to do when handling PR on their own? Mm -hmm. um, definitely do not pitch on social media. It drives me crazy. People will pitch editors on Facebook and it upsets them. It's like, I feel like you have to do it professionally. So there are so many great resources out there. Um, Try to do some research. PR is not it's not a difficult like position to be in. Of course, there's a lot of like mind tricks and things that you have to go through in stores, and that takes a professional to walk you through that. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Be mindful of when you're pitching. Be mindful of how you're pitching. Address people properly in an email. Say thank you. Put your links in there for when you're pitching. Don't attach things. Um, and really make a story. Basically, a pitch, you're just sending an email to somebody saying, this is who I am, this is my music, this is what it's about. I'd be grateful if you could check this out, and if you're interested in reviewing, or if you're interested in interviewing me, let's talk about it. But you have to be positive. You have to be excited about what you're pitching. I've seen artists, um, like I get pitched to for... Um, you know, for stuff as well, for wanting to be a client. And some people will just come in and say, hey, um, we need PR. Can you help us? Like, okay, well, what band are you in? What artist are you? Can I hear your music? You have a subject line that makes sense. Um, so there's some, like, simple things that it's just part of being professional. Um, so if you're going to do it the DIY route, you're going to be fine. Editors love working with artists and, and don't mind not having a PR team, but just do it right. Do it mindfully and, and make sure you're pitching the right person that you're not sent to like the editor-in-chief of Billboard just because you found the email. Don't do that. <laughs> Find the right person and, and make smart decisions. People are smart. They just get very excited. Uh, and Shannon of Love has another tweet for you, Jennifer. This one is from at her Maybe. favorite. And they said, question for Jen Appel. Do you want to do your thing? Appel. Jen Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> what do you believe separates you from every other individual in your field? Um, I feel like I'm a lot of people on the fact that we do care. Um, but I think a little bit differently than a publicist. So when I was going through my master's program, a lot of what I learned was more about, like, marketing a brand developing a brand so the way I look at an artist is through a, a brand it's really developing their story their market their audience how to find the fan growth so we look at publicity and we say we can partner with a publication of course that's, that's what we do we can write a press release that's fine but it's taking that one more step further um, to really give that platform because otherwise then you're just sending it off to thousands of editors and hoping that something sticks and it's just it's not um, it's a very old school way of doing PR and today it's 
not about the sense and not about like the crazy PR tactic. It's really about let's look on the back end. Let's look at the insights. Let's figure out how you're utilizing your audience and reaching out to them. So I'll do stuff like SEO and CRM and really dig into like fan finding and buyer personas and like get into the mindset of if I was buying your music, what would I want? So just thinking a little bit differently, but a lot of my colleagues and, and publicists that I work with, um, they're starting to get this new mindset. So I feel like I look at it a little bit differently. Um, also, we're a really small company, so we're not a major PR firm, and I won't take an artist on unless I know I have the time and can actually chat with them. So I chat with my artists every day, which a lot of publicists don't do, but I just like knowing how their day is and how they're doing, and if you don't take that second to just say hi and interact with them, then you're never going to have that you know, deep connection with your client. I love that last part you just said. I mean, just the daily connection. Sold. Yeah. Sold, Jenna Pell. Yeah. Buying your agency for $10 million and paying you all of that one. Oh, thank you. You're that, you're that good. I need money. That's great. <laughs> there we go. I'll get you some pizza, too. Ashley Weltner, who is our engineer and spoke with you when you called in 16 times, um, it would love to ask a question of you as well. Is that okay, Jenna? Awesome. Yeah, okay. of course. All right, so Ashley's going to ask Jenna a question on Music Biz 101 and more on only on Brave New Radio. Jenna. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> should a band get a PR agent before or after their first tour? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Woo! It depends. Um, I think, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I almost want to tell artists to get out there and fail and learn it for themselves so that they can, like, kind of understand the ropes. I do find a lot of artists that go on their first tours, they don't realize how cumbersome it is. The actual driving from venue to venue is actually a long day of travel, and then you have to go and actually showcase at people and play a show. Um, if you add PR to it, it's a lot, and it's really... Um, it can be really tiresome. So I would say if you're an artist and you want to try doing publicity on your first tour, that's fine. If you want to go through your first tour and not have publicity, that is okay as well. Um, the only thing that does come down to playing your first shows or first tour, you might not get publicity because you are so new. So I feel like people have to go through and fail a couple times to realize not only who they are, but like, their stage presence and how they're communicating with their fans and maybe playing their music for the first time live. So I think they have to go through that process. I would suggest before you know, going on tour to kind of go through that. Um, but I have had some clients who do their tours for the first time and it is successful. So I think it depends mindset-wise where you know, you're at as an artist. Not everybody can go on tour and publicity while they're doing it and not every artist needs publicity on their first tour or like really will draw a crowd to make an editor feel worthy enough of being there so it's kind of a catch-22 it's a double-edged sword where you know you can go out on tour you can play and, and try things out but if you don't have a crowd you might not get the best review 
it's kind of a double standard where you have to kind of try first and fail or take a gamble and hire a publicist. Do you do things like getting artists collab collaborations and label deals and, and showcases and things like that? So we don't do label pitching. Um, so typically if I feel like an artist is worthy enough to send to a label and I already have a connection, I don't mind doing that, but I definitely try not to do it all the time. Because once you get into that pitching or showcasing, then it's kind of part of who you are. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but once artists hear, oh, you got so-and-so on the label, get me on that label or get me on that label. And, and I never like to go that route because then it's like almost favoritism in, in a way. But um, I do collaborations all the time. So I try, uh, every client that we have, I make, you know, an introduction and I try to connect people so we can do like a show swap or if I can get artists on tour together, I have no problem connecting the dots. Or if I know somebody's coming through the area and I can connect them for not even a show, just in general to write together or collaborate, um, I will definitely do that. I also have a lot of artists that have turned into producers, so I'll get my clients studio with them so I try to make whatever collaborations I can but when it comes to label pitching or management pitching or booking agent pitching I, I have this like gut feeling that it has to be organic if I have a connection and it makes sense absolutely I'll make that happen but it has to be the right reason otherwise then you're just abusing you know your contacts Okay, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have about 90 seconds left. We want to see if we can get two questions. <coughs> I had peanut M&Ms, Jen, and they're in my throat. <coughs> um, real, real. <coughs> Jen, 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 help me. Okay, so now we're down to eight. <laughs> 80 seconds, Jen. Hey, Jenna Pell's on with us. All right, so a real quick question from Shannon, and then I have one final really, really, really quick question. Go, Shannon. Jere. Brian asks, hi, Jen. What size <laughs> budgets do you work with? Yeah, that's a great question. So we work anywhere between 600 a month all the way up to 2000 a month. So it depends on the type of campaign, how you're customizing it, but... I do work with every budget, so if somebody came to me and said, I only have 200 bucks a month, I will, if it works and if it makes sense, I'll make a campaign that works for them. So I am pretty lenient and flexible with that, but it just depends on the campaign, the contract, the artist, and their needs. All right, so you're, you're a flexible person. That's great. And final, final real quick thing, social media influencers. Um, and, and we talked about collaborations earlier, but uh, getting – um, you know, influencers to play the music of one of your artists in the background, things like that. Are you actively involved in that that sort of collaboration or working with yeah. others? Absolutely. Yeah, we pitch YouTubers all the time. Um, we try to get people to repost and reshare. I think that's the new way of pitching. It's mm -hmm. once you have somebody that they have to be legitimately into the brand. It can't just be we'll take money from this person and repost. It has to be a legitimate thing. But we have seen some success stories. I've also seen like some influencers just post and it doesn't feel organic. So it just depends. Interesting. Okay. We have to wrap up, Jen. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ashley thank Weltner. Thank you so much. Don't say thank you yet. We have to say thank you to you first. Oh. Right. So thank you. <laughs> 
All right, now you can say, so thank you, Jen. Now you can say thank you. Thank you so much. Oh. It was great. Jeanne everybody. Jeanne It was great to have you. Jeanne of Catalyst PR. And we could follow her at Jen Appel with two P's and one L. Correct. And you can also uh, go to Catalyst, the Catalyst Publicity Group dot com. And then um, how do we uh, uh, Catalyst PR on uh, where, where, what is that on uh, the Twitter or where should they follow that? Um, it's Catalyst Group PR. OK, Catalyst PR. Or it's Catalyst Publicity. It's one of the two. OK, very good. <laughs> One of the two, but if you type it in, it'll be there somewhere. Uh, okay, good. And, website, everything's there. And thanks, you, thanks for being there for us. We really do appreciate it. So final clap for her. Yes. Uh, thank you, Jenna Powell. So thank you. We will speak again with you. You're the best ever. And we hope we see you in Nashville. She hung up already? Oh, so you hung her, you hung up on her. Hung oh, on goodbye. You. Okay. I know she is. So we have to go. So, uh, love you, Doctor Stabon. Thank you, Ashley Veltner. Thank you, Shannon of Love. Appreciate thank having you. you. Thank you, Jenna thank Powell. My co-host David Phil. That is I, Professor David Kirkfield. Thank you for listening to Music Biz One One More and Brave New Radio. We really do appreciate it. Coming up next is three uh, rings and a ribbon, and then we're <laughs> listening to Music Biz One One. So at the end of our show, we just say hi instead of the end of our show. We say adios.